yeah. We'll do it live. We're going to do it live. Shit. I'm losing it, man. I'm losing it. Can this fucking shit just work? God damn, man. Okay. All right. Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Almost Good Podcast. My name is J. David Osborne. My friend on the other end of the phone line there is David James Keaton. These are uh, these are basically re- recordings of our of our phone calls where we talk about movies that we've seen and shit that's bugging us. Currently, what's bugging me is this goddamn Skype recorder <laughs> not <laughs> fucking working. But you can hear me, okay, right, Dave? I can hear you. Let's hope they can. Okay. Well, fingers crossed. I'll listen back to it. I don't want to hear this podcast without you. It would sound it would sound a lot like me pacing the house and talking to myself. Dude, I do that all the time. I really do. Like until I discovered the the beauty and richness of actually just annoying my friends on a semi-daily basis over the phone, I used <laughs> to just talk to myself. What a fucking nightmare Dude, that was. You know, you know who else talks to themselves? Crazy people. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh, oh, okay, yeah. You went, you went to Pittsburgh. Let's tell me about that. Well, there's some problems. There's some problems in Pittsburgh. I, uh, I haven't been around this particular group of people in a long time. Maybe you've heard of them. They're, they're called the Whites. Have you been around the Whites? Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. I, I no longer really even know them. I, I have become much much like my hero Kevin Costner in Dances with Wolves. I have uh, sort of become one with the El Paso landscape, so I don't okay. even really recognize white people anymore. Yeah, Makes no, sense. actually, yeah. But in all seriousness, I, I don't I don't see a whole bunch of white people anymore. It's really bizarre. So when I I'm going to Oklahoma uh, next weekend, and it's always just strange. As soon as you leave El Paso and you hit like those little dinky towns in the middle of the desert. Like you start seeing white people again, and it's like, oh my god, it's, yeah, it's kind of it's, horrifying. But please a, continue. Oh yeah, it's way different out here. Out in California, it's a lot of uh, you know, it's a huge, huge Asian population, and uh, Asian, sure. Hispanic, uh, Latino population. Um, not a whole lot of white people. I kind of forgot about them, but uh, yeah, I, I guess I, um, I certainly didn't miss all the aggressive eye contact. That's new. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh yeah plus i was there on saint patrick's day i was there for a conference and it was it happened to be over saint patrick's day too so a uh, ton mm-hmm. of uh ton of steelers jerseys penguins jerseys and you know just the these fucking you know these these goddamn bearded clam looking dudes just glaring at you just uh-huh. and it's okay. that thing you've probably seen it where you know there's that moment where someone turns their head just a little bit and then you can't help but turn your head a little bit. And then suddenly you're both, both your heads are turning as you walk fast. And then you're, uh-huh. you're just like a split second away from one of you saying, what, what do you want? And that just happens right, over, right. over and over because you, it's like, I notice when somebody's looking at me and these, mm-hmm. these people just, these, these whites, they just look at you. They just fucking, mm-hmm. they just lock on. So it was, uh, couple of things there's a couple of things here in El Paso like number one uh there there isn't really it's just one of the most laid-back cities I've ever been in like it's laid back to the point that I think that kind of being chill has been almost pathologized where Mm -hmm. you will actually see instead of people like trying to get around each other and 
you know, being all aggressive and shit, like, it's almost like people are in a competition to see, like, who can do things the most chill, you know what I mean? <laughs> you get yeah. the impression that if people feel rushed, they will slow down just to be like, so it's, and the second thing, hanging out, can you hear me? Yeah, Hello? yeah, I can hear you. Oh, good. Oh, thank God. Um, um, the other thing is that, like, hanging out with my friends, they informed me, they're like, yeah, well, I mean, white people get, white people get mad really, really fast, right? And I had never thought about this. I had never really considered it. But whenever I'm, like, at work or whatever, and, like, something like this call, for example, like, not working, <laughs> and, I, and I become, like, enraged at it, I always, right. I get these looks from my coworkers, like, yeah, that's what's, that's, what's the what's the big deal? That's exactly what was happening. Like, and you're you're seconds away from that kind of, like you know what's happening, but you can't stop yourself because I think as as fellow whites, we we also have that disease. So our heads start to turn if somebody's yeah. looking, and you're you know you're just moments away from the the dance of stupid, you know, where you're like, what, what, what are you looking at? What? Right. What's your fucking problem? And Amy was Amy's yeah. like, you know, you've you've regressed quite a bit just as soon as we touched <laughs> touched the tarmac here in Pittsburgh what's going on and I'm like it's these fucking white people quit looking at me and it's yeah. uh I don't know there was at least four at least four distinct moments they're all really stupid and small but like like I was with I was walking the stroller in downtown Pittsburgh and some dude just yelled like you should watch what you're doing better and then he's, he was gone like in his to, car wait to you yeah to you? Yeah, and it was one of those things. I don't know if you're familiar with the. There's a, something called the Pittsburgh left. When there's a red light and it turns green in in Pittsburgh, I noticed it, and it even has a name. The Pittsburgh left is when the the car that's waiting for the oncoming traffic to go by before it can turn left will take advantage of that split second and zip in front of the traffic. Oy. And you and you expect it in Pittsburgh. It was one of those things where if you're up front on that turning left. You got to take advantage of the Pittsburgh left. And if you don't do it, somebody gets mad because it's like, why didn't you go? So I, what was happening was I was crossing the street. and uh, But, of course, the pedestrian has the right of way anyway. We have the walk sign. So the Pittsburgh yeah. left has to pay attention to pedestrians. But there's that's that culture clash because in California, maybe I don't know if this is the way in ultra chill Texas, but pedestrians have the absolute right of way no matter what. Totally. It's, I, I actually got that wrong because I had to take – a, uh, I had to retake my driver's license test when I got out here to get a mm -hmm. California license. And the question was, had all these scenarios where the correct answer was always the pedestrian has the right of way. And I, and I was sitting there trying to like solve them like, well, no, not technically in this case. And, and then I looked it up later. It's like, no, absolutely. Every single case, if a pedestrian walks in the yep. middle of the highway, they get to go. So right. I'm not saying I, I didn't do that. I had the, the green and this dude was like, you should... Watch what you're doing better. And so that got me all fucking heated. And, it, and, and I went to a couple record stores and there was just all those those moments with like I walked into one record store and the guy said, there's a guy that was shopping and he turns and looks at me and goes, hey, because he thought I was somebody else. But then, uh -huh. when he, then he realized I wasn't who he thought he was. But because, his, you know, his ego is as fragile as a dandelion in the high wind, he pivots and he's mm -hmm. trying to save face, and he's like, oh, hey, dude, you're a good-looking guy. You got the best beard in here. When my buddy gets here, it's going to be the second best beard. Haha, <laughs> what you looking at? What, what stuff are you checking out? And I'm just pushing <laughs> past him like, great. Sounds great, buddy. Sounds great. Just like working my way by him, and he, I see him getting angrier because I'm like, you know, I'm giving him the high hat because I'm trying to get past him yeah. 
Right. And I'm not giving him that moment where he gets to save face for getting me wrong. Like he thought I was somebody ah, else. Right, just right, just right, admit, right. just admit you had the wrong person, dude. And, but he doesn't, he yeah, just keeps yeah. doubling, doubling down on like why he wanted to talk to me. Cause he feels stupid. That's yeah. the kind of shit. I don't run into that in California. And I forgot that it was yeah. Yeah. prevalent in, in Pittsburgh. But um, I had a question for you though, because the last, oh, okay, run, go ahead. The last run-in, I realized, let me set up the scenario. I'm walking into a record store. Guy's coming out, and he's saying something. He's sweeping the uh, sidewalk, and he says something kind of right. loud, and I thought he was talking to me mm -hmm. because I thought maybe he was closing the place up. So I didn't know if I was right. like, is it, is it late? So I, so I said, oh, I'm sorry, what did you say? And that set him off so bad. That he goes, Whoa. he goes, I'm not talking to you, like really pissed off. And I went in there like, Jesus Christ, the yeah. fucking white people. But I went in there and I started thinking, I thought, yeah. maybe there is no way to ask somebody what they said. Like, I'm going to asking you right now, you hear something, you think you hear something, but you want them to repeat it. This is a stranger. Give uh -huh. me, what would you say to get them to repeat it without sounding aggressive? I think it's impossible. Tell me if possible. I Possible response. I, well, I every time it happens to me, I go, sorry? I'm sorry? That, no, I'd be so pissed. Because you're saying, sorry, excuse me? That would make me mad. <laughs> would that make you mad? Yeah, try try again. <laughs> what else would you do? Because, like, I know the ones. Go. I know the ones that piss me off. The ones that piss me off are when, like, if I'm at, like, a subway or something and, you know, the 18-year-old behind the counter is, like, what would you like? And I'm, like, I'd like uh, pepper, pepper jack cheese. And they're, like, what? What? Like, the aggressive... <laughs> Of what is, is what? what gets me? Yeah, the what? Like, what? The what's off the table? It's essentially it's the new it's the new De Niro. You know the De Niro in the mirror. He's like, you talking to me? What you talking yeah. to me? Like you maybe, can't. I do don't it. know. Maybe maybe my my bad. I didn't hear you. Maybe, oh my bad. I didn't hear what you said. What was that? Well, like I you have to almost turn it into a into a ten second sentence to be like, I, oh I'm sorry. I I heard something. <laughs> I, I, see now I'm already I'm fumbling for it. Yeah, it doesn't work. Like, doesn't I don't work. know. I think you might I be right. Like, I feel like the pressure is on, and the more words, the better. Because like I, I tried to imagine, and I actually rehearsed it with Amy later, and I said, "What if you start with hey, dude, did it?" And then she's like, "No, that's not working." And I said, "All right, what if I said, <laughs> excuse me, in case you were talking to me back there?" And she's like, "No, that's so threatening." <laughs> <laughs> and even the just the excuse me no that uh, doesn't work you can't do anything yeah. like so i couldn't really fault that particular guy because i i can't imagine how anyone could ask you to repeat yourself a stranger without it sounding like you're preparing for a duel it's a it's a fucking duel to the death uh, maybe me? maybe if you just like Maybe if you just like lean in a little bit and do like a little <laughs> flourish with your hand and put your hand up to your ear <laughs> and be like, uh, come again, sir. <laughs> Maybe that. Yeah, it all sounds so sarcastic, doesn't it? It sounds like you're saying, you know, I heard you, but I want you to repeat it. Yeah. Like, did you just yeah, say what yeah. I think? I don't know. It didn't work. It turns out he was talking to his girlfriend on his phone, but he had the little fucking Bluetooth, so I couldn't uh -huh. see he was in the middle of some argument with his girlfriend, but I thought he was telling me the store was closed. Oh, but, that's funny. But no. I was like, excuse me, no, what, that's did funny. You, no. what did you just say? <laughs> it doesn't work. No, and it's funny that you that you mentioned also that people have a tendency to say things because that that is a cultural thing that 
is completely non-existent in El Paso. I have you. I've barely seen people honk at, at each other, and like so. I and I've definitely never seen anybody yell at anybody else out of their car window. But it used to happen all the time in Portland, because in Portland everybody's white, so everybody's a fucking cop. Like uh, <laughs> when I used to smoke out there, I would. I, I will never forget this. Of course, of course, when you're smoking on the street in in Portland, of course people are gonna walk by, and tell you that. You're not supposed to smoke here. You're supposed to smoke there. There was one time where I was like smoking uh, like a few feet away from an apartment complex. And I heard somebody yell from inside their apartment, like, stop smoking, because they caught <laughs> like the, the, the hint of oh tobacco smoke. And we were just so incensed that they had to. But like the, the other like the one that I'll never forget, dude, I was standing on the in downtown Portland and I was standing smoking a cigarette and somebody driving by in a car goes like. You have to be at least eight feet away from the building. And I'm like, dude, you're in, you're in a fucking car, man. Like, you're you're pumping pollution out into the air. And you're breathing all that shit in. And like, but there's something about I think white culture where we love we love the oh, rules yeah. so much that like when we see somebody breaking the rules, it goes back to our us talking about like you know tattling on people at the Alamo Draft House. It's kind of like. If it's almost it's not even that they're like interrupting the movie or making our experience worse mm. it's that they're not following the rules and right. they have to be corrected but right. here That's... here it's beautiful you could actually you could be in front of a no smoking sign smoking in front of like a woman with like her three kids and nobody's gonna say shit to you at all because people here are very much just like leave people the fuck alone and just yeah. like let them do whatever they want to and For it's sure. beautiful I don't want to generalize the population of California, but I don't think anyone has made eye contact with me in five years. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody has looked up to see who I was or what I was doing, except for my three insane neighbors on this street mm -hmm. who I'm very much on their radar. Um, but yeah, uh -huh. there's, it was a big culture clash. Um, other than that, I missed it. You know, I, I've lived in Pittsburgh for a decade and it's got that big, you know, brutalist architecture and high buildings and fucking, you know, it's got that, it's got some age to it. Whereas California is, you know, relatively new glass and uh, Adobe little short. It's like a strip mall, you know? So mm -hmm. it was nice to be kind of lost in that, but it was about day two um, when I started to really, the blood pressure started to spike from all the, the little mini confrontations confrontations left and right but anyway well that's that's what happens to me also whenever i go to house sit i house sit for scott adlerberg in uh in brooklyn sometimes uh -huh. and uh when i go to house sit as soon as i get into new york i'm like oh this is great this is a fast-paced lifestyle very cool very fast <laughs> but eventually it's just like man it would be fantastic to be able to leave this house and walk to the store and not have like people screaming at each other, you know, not feel like you're, <laughs> you know, in the middle of a war zone. Right. I used to walk to this pizza place that was right around the corner from where Scott lived. And uh, it was just, it was a crapshoot whether or the street that I was going down, there were these two like kind of older black ladies who lived on either side of the street and they would talk, talk to each other, but across the street. So they would just be yelling. You know what I mean? And then sometimes like a third neighbor would join in. None of this is in an aggressive way, by the way. Like they're not mad at each other. They're just mm. kind of yelling. And so, I mean, of course, you know, they probably lived in that neighborhood since they were born. And I'm right. just like, 
fresh off the boat and like, oh, I wish people weren't so loud. But so right. like just from from my from my frightened white perspective, uh, hearing people yell at each other, it just like it sets me on edge, right. dude. I'm like, why is everybody fucking? Everybody's just so fucking aggro here, you know. And, um, I, sh- and anyway. I should generalize. I shouldn't generalize all of California because if you go into San Francisco, it's a, just like you described Brooklyn. Like that's where people. Um, Rather than uh, aggressive eye contact, I, you'll have like a homeless person start shadow boxing where you're mm-hmm. the space you're going to eventually inhabit. And that's that's a pretty threatening right. move. It's kind of that schizophrenic, not quite attacking you moment mm-hmm. where, where he's like, yeah. gonna, he's going to he's kicking the, the ass of the space you're going to be in in a minute. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. what does this fucking do? And it's like, of course, that is that's all for your benefit, you know. So, oh, of course. So we yeah. just need to we just need to stay indoors, basically. Is the, the uh... yeah we need to stay indoors. We need to stay off, off the internet too, man. I I have got to. I've made a few resolutions. Let me let me see what you okay. think about my resolutions so far. So my uh, my social media resolutions for the rest of this year are as such: um, no more than thirty minutes per day mm-hmm. on across mm-hmm. all platforms. Okay. Uh, zero Facebook use usage like check facebook literally once and that i mean the time that you're on facebook still applies to your 30 minutes you can check twitter two three times you can check instagram two three times facebook one and that's actually really easy because i'm that's just dead to me facebook is just dead to me Uh, here's some here's some other things uh do not don't like none of my posts from now on are allowed to be parts of conversations that I'm having with myself, right? Like I have to think about social media as having, is there's like an audience, there's a group of people who are going to be reading that who don't know what's going on in my fucking head. So I can't be having an argument with myself and then get six or seven levels deep and then tweet that, that seventh level argument. Cause right. it just comes out sounding like complete nonsense, you know, like sure. for example, I was sitting there and I was trying to figure out a way to complain about, uh, you know, these people on, Twitter who they have like 80,000 followers and they follow 80,000 people and they keep like they keep following me and then when I don't follow them back in like a day they unfollow and then a week will go by and they'll follow again and then they'll unfollow it's just like this nightmare so I'm trying to like think of like a funny joke about how I can make fun of these people and I realized number one this is already something that probably everybody who's a part of the system already puts up with and two, it's it just it wouldn't make any sense. I would have to yeah. explain too much for right. it to be funny. Well, so that's the problem. No is more arguments with myself. Not only do they does it not make a lot of sense. Even worse, somebody will start at the beginning of your seventh level argument, and they'll explain to you the thing that you've already you know debated in your head, and they'll they'll like reset the argument yes. in a in a stupid way. Yes, so you, have, you have to be like, uh, this I know. This yes. I know. please. Yes. These are the things I know. Please move on. And then it just looks like you don't want to have a debate. And you have to explain right. that you've already shadow boxed <laughs> yourself into, you know. <laughs> I've, already, I've already kicked the ass of the place that you are right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, uh, I hear, I hear and you. Then, and then the final one, the, the final one is I will no longer uh, be engaging with psychopaths on, on the Internet. I'm just not going to engage. Good yeah, I'm not going to let them bother me anymore. Good luck with that. Good luck. Yeah. yeah. 
I uh, I don't know. You you saw that I I made the mistake of trying to out a joke thief, and uh, that went. Oh yes, yes. That went terribly. Um, uh, Frankie Zelnick just went over like a fucking lead. I know. Went over like a lead balloon. Everybody's like. Well, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, they just they love this chick. You know, she's this fucking dingbat who just takes people's jokes and pretends they're her own. And uh, it just drove me nuts to the point where I finally just do, did some screenshots of I, I tried to make it like a lesson in how jokes evolve over the years, because you can find the, the original joke was four years old and then someone stole it once and it got like double the likes, but it was still single digits. Then this fucking nut got and that's, this isn't even an exaggeration, like 200,000 likes. That's she, and, and she t- talks about it. Uh, you know, she talks about herself as internet royalty and she's like, you know, batting it around with uh, Chipotle because it was a, a Jurassic Park Chipotle joke. And I just couldn't take the victory lap anymore. You know, I, cause she's a Facebook mm-hmm. friend. And I thought, and I had been for a couple of years posting in her comments <coughs> with, you know, here's the original joke you just stole just wondering if she'll ever acknowledge that it's just she's just a joke thief. But long story show, uh, short, as I said to you, you it's fine to be a joke thief as long as you're a, a woke thief because she is a beloved yes. progressive. And uh, so I'm a big bully. I was told I was a bully. Mm-hmm. Um, I was told yeah. that uh, I was a bully and that people thought I was going to uh, out them or be mean to them. It's like you can't do anything as far as trying to maintain joke integrity on social media. I, I do realize this yeah. is the, the least important sting operation in the history of the internet. But you would think at least people would say, oh, look at that. That's gross. This person's pretending to say these things. Mm-hmm. And uh, nobody, ca- I found out that no one gave a shit. Not a, yeah. not a single person. And it's like, uh, and you know, I, I, there's some hypocrisy there with myself because like memes, when people post other people's memes, I don't see attribution. I don't know who created them for right. some reason. And that they take more time to make. So mm-hmm. lifting, there's just, that should bother me more, but there's something about the way she lifts actual words and then does her cute Urkel, you know, like, didn't I do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that just makes my blood boil and it shouldn't bother me. So as, like you said, I'm trying to get off the internet uh, we actually have a, a plan at my house because it's it's literally killing me to be on the internet. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Amy suggested that I time myself. So this actually yeah. was a mistake because I bought an hourglass, but I wanted it to be a really nice hourglass. Mm-hmm. So I went hourglass yeah. shopping on the internet for a long time till I found the perfect hourglass. <laughs> it showed up at the house. It's like this $80 hourglass. And she's like, what the fuck is this giant box? And I'm like, it's perfect. It's it's an hour. It's within seconds of an hour. It's like calibrated with the atomic clock. She's like this. But this was to get you off the Internet to pay more attention to our lives, not to the hourglass. And I'm like, but wait, but wait, let's let's just stare. Let's time it. Let's see how accurate it is. So I'm playing with this fucking hourglass <laughs> instead of the Internet. I've been playing with this hourglass for a month. And she's like, that was, I wish I never would have said anything about timing yourself on the internet because you, you're staring at the hourglass, right. you know? So anyway, uh, yeah. that was my attempt yeah. to get off. I figured That's hilarious. An, hour, an hour on the internet's got to be enough, right? Or an hour on the hourglass. Like, yeah, whenever, whenever you're talking about people who are doing this kind of joke thievery thing, there is just something on the internet where um, something happened where, where it really does seem like nobody gives a shit. 
Like no, like that's just like the least important thing to like. If you bring up you bring up anti you bring up piracy, right? And say mm-hmm. like, oh, I think it's people want to read my books with words in them that I came up with. If people want to do that for free, I think that's okay. People will shit their pants about that. Literally zero qualms about right. repurposing something that somebody else had, and then having the audacity. You pointed this out, having the audacity to say something like, you know what? I just realized. Like they begin their tweets that way. You <laughs> yeah. know what I just realized? And then it's a fucking tweet that was like, yeah. that other people have also mysteriously just realized. Like, exactly, exactly. It's, like, it's, fuck, it's yeah. fucking nonsense, dude. And I think it's just attached. To, I think you're onto something when you say it's, it's a very, the, the hard line is very personal for everyone. Mm-hmm. So whereas we can identify our hypocrisies and identify right. that we're, we're, selfish inconsistent and do all these things just because we want to or and we will dismiss an entire you know philosophy or an entire point just so that we have our own satisfaction on certain things like Mm -hmm. like certain certain levels of art for example i think that it's just amazing how many people you know they use like they use as an example of their own open-mindedness um they talk about like when they talk about like how uh, certain movies shouldn't do certain things now that there's this, or certain uh, artists shouldn't be allowed to do things because they've done something wrong in their lives, that topic has come up a lot. But they use as an uh-huh. example of they use as an example of how they're still open minded towards art. They'll use this. They'll use as an example something that they loved growing up. They'll say, you know, except Rosemary's Baby or Todd uh, Solon's movies. You know, it's like this is that uh, perverse um, transgressive thing. That they can't quite articulate why it's okay, but basically what they're saying is no new problematic shit can exist. Right. I've already experienced the problematic shit on my own, and therefore, you know, I got to taste it. But you, no new stuff. And it, on the hard line is always the adjustment is made past their own experience, where they can't go back with a time machine and re-experience with with the knowledge of who has been, you know who has done something wrong to be negated for putting out that art. I know that probably didn't make a whole lot of sense, but it's all based on, it's all based on their own, you know, internal line in the sand. So when you have all these internal lines in the sand on the fucking internet, it's just gibberish. It's just, everybody is trying to make an absolute declaration of what's right and wrong. And they just won't admit that it's based on this fucking line right to the middle of their brain based on their own personal experiences. So they need to mm-hmm. just shut the fuck up. You know? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah know. dude. We yeah, sound no, like, we're sounding pretty white over here. <laughs> yeah. Well, shut well, up. Well, just I mean, shut we get, up. <laughs> we, get, we, we get really mad about stuff. That's what this podcast has become. It should just be, we should just change the title to like, two angry white dudes and then in parentheses like, and also a movie. <laughs> like you know just um but uh but no no i think that it kind of goes into just this thing that i have noticed on the internet of like the the kind of bizarro scene had a bunch of controversy recently that i would really rather not recap for the listeners needless to say it's complicated and blah 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 but there's there was like there's a few people who emerged from the kind of pitchfork and torch waving crowd who they basically made it so that there is not going to be a bizarro con this year. Uh, a lot of books were pulled, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But 
It's all so taste, it's so right? fucking like, yeah, they, the blood was in the water. It's so fucking embarrassing, dude. Taste, it's so embarrassing. I can't even look so at it. So they that they person. got the taste and so and so and so now they can't stop. Here's the problem is that like now they can't stop. So then there was a like a Stoker con. Uh they were gonna do a panel called uh, Men in Horror. And it was actually organized by uh, one man and one woman, but it was supposed to be like kind of a funny takedown of like why are there so many women in horror panels like why are there no men in horror panels and the reason why is because men are so ubiquitous that it it goes without saying that you know so you the, wouldn't have to do a specifically male-oriented thing so it's a joke right it's a so joke yeah and the, and the joke uh, wouldn't kind of, so the and the joke wouldn't exist unless you acknowledged that like, like you have to know the joke to even make to even describe the panel so it's a bad faith argument to pretend like what is this celebrating men? You know, you don't, that's not even an yeah, honest yeah. thing to say. It's, yeah. it's clearly saying that's the joke is that there's too many men in horror. They're over, they oversubmit, they're overrepresented. And that's the, and that's, what's going to be skewered. Yeah. I assume, right. Is the way you're describing right. it. Well, that's the way it was supposed to be. Yeah. And then like this, these people who, who were involved in like the, you know, the take that of bizarre, like they just, they again just lost their minds about this and the language that these people use that this is like offensive that this should not exist that this is like making them have panic attacks blah 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 and then you know when they're basically like when like, like when it's when it's explained to them why they are wrong they double down dude they don't turn around and be like oh there's a joke oh shit <laughs> my bad i really overreacted no there. it's because no, they no no they know that they double down They'll yeah, be there's like, a, they'll say, there's they'll a say. magic wand to make people go away. They want you to go away. Go away. Don't say it. Stop saying yeah. it. Yeah. Right. So basically, they ended up getting this uh, this panel removed from the con, and they got like an apology. Here's my other thing. This is my message to people out there on the internet. If anybody ever demands an apology from you publicly, tell them to go fuck themselves. Like, apologize to people. Unless you're, private or unless on you're a clear messenger, right? Unless you're a clear bag of shit. But I, th I think that we all recognize when people are actual pieces of shit, and that when somebody's being pushed to to do that performative apology, and and like like you said, once it happens, uh, it, you'll it, that means that you've just. It's like when the the phone sol solicitors call. You're not supposed to answer the call, or else you'll get on their list that like right. you're not supposed to you're not right. supposed to hit the button that says take me off the list just like you're not supposed to do that you're not you're probably better off not having some big announcement about your mistake because then you're on the list for real even though you thought yeah. that got that yeah. you thought that got you off the list that means yeah. you're definitely yeah. on the list and more importantly it's like it's people who could you know if we're looking at it even generously it could be people who who genuinely feel bad because a lot of people don't like to hurt other people's feelings so when they've been made to feel like they've hurt someone's feelings they want to apologize they want to be like oh hey my bad like i really didn't mean to but the problem is is that it's a fucking trap dude it's a trap mm -hmm. like they they don't want your fucking apology they want you to grovel and i think that some kind of uh i think there's some kind of psychological bdsm going on around here where it's sure. like tell me tell me that you're a bad boy tell me that you're bad and then you're like oh god i'm bad and then they're like, yeah, that's right. You are bad. Now let me find right. something else that you did that's bad. You know, there, it's, it's a just, combination it's of that. It's this insatiable dopamine hunt. Right. It's a combination of that and the go away. You know, the, mm -hmm. essentially mm -hmm. somebody will see something that, that disturbs them. 
and they'll be and their first response is like this thing should go away and then somebody will say well you know what i'm thinking that maybe you're looking at this different and they're like you now you have to go away and then right. somebody'll stick up for them and they'll say and you have to go away and the whole thing has to go away go away yeah. <laughs> and eventually it does they, they keep and then it keeps being brought up like every 5 seconds like go away are you still here go away and yeah. who's the fucking crazy person? Who is the who's the bully, right? Who's the person right. that just won't shut the fuck up? Like everybody went right. away. It went yeah. away. Shut yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. And no, and it's this idea that like, you know, just in life you're gonna have to like look at things and deal with things that you don't like, that you don't think are cool. For example, I fucking hate it when people on the internet talk about signing their goddamn contracts. I can't stand it. I hate victory <laughs> laps, I hate I hate everybody just like, I hate everybody cheerleading each other. Everybody should be fucking miserable. If you're a writer, you should really hate yourself for your life decisions and you should not be proud of anything that you've done, right? That's my hard line. That's my line in the sand. But I don't, I don't go out of my way to like make people feel shitty about it. I'm just like, it's just a, something that personally annoys me and I only mention it when I'm trying to make a point on a podcast. Oh, you, you I don't made like, a... Your your point that I think is is really important there is uh, the same reason that I'm now addicted to an hourglass is the same reason these people are addicted to whatever they're doing. Like this is yeah. an these are addicts. You are describing yes. people that have an addiction, so right. they're they're addicted to making people go away, and that's right. what they're gonna that's what they're gonna do to get that hit, to get that fucking mm -hmm. that that delicious delicious brain chemicals. They're gonna do it, and they're never gonna stop doing it until. The, the until that format goes away, until the that their way of communicating with the world goes away, and so um, you know maybe I'll stare at the hourglass, and eventually the hourglass will the hourglass will cancel me. The hourglass, <laughs> the hourglass will be like you know we, this, there's a lot of the, the male gaze coming from this dude is really disturbing. <laughs> just staring at this hourglass, and it's like. I it's like this hate you, Dave. No, it's, and I'm like, this this hourglass is kind of hot. This hourglass has, you know, there's it's not an accident that it's an hourglass. That's some nice curves on this thing. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then I'm drawing faces oh. on it. Anyway, anyway, we're down the fucking rabbit hole, dude. Let's talk movies. Let's talk us, bro. Let's talk about us. We are talking. Like, we are talking about us. Yeah, we are. But we're gonna talk about the movies the now. Movie. So, okay. um. I'm just going to come right out and say it, man. I really liked it. So I'm going to try not to be too overly positive and gushing, but uh, just right out the gate, I really fucking thought that this was a, a, a real a, a real good flick, man. A real good flick. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. I told you um, that I went back to the drive-in where I had the terrible experience watching uh, Captain Marbles. And I couldn't see shit in that movie. But um, I think, as I explained to you, I, I, I don't know if I'd lowered my expectations by not being able to see the movie. But this movie mm -hmm. is good enough that I couldn't see about a third of it. And it was still yep. fucking amazing. Like, we knew something really cool was happening when we couldn't exactly see it. And that just shows yeah. you that if it can survive um, a bad visual experience, then there's, there's more movie there than... Um, than than the, than the uh, Captain Marvel uh, action fest, obviously. But as a horror movie, I was worried because it was kind of shit was happening in the dark. But um, there was enough mm -hmm. weird shit going on that uh, that it survived even uh, a bad viewing experience. So I can't wait to watch it at home. I think I used that analogy with you where 
I had a, a creative writing instructor. She was a terrible, terrible teacher. But one thing she said that was interesting was turn in all your stories in courier type, um, which makes mm. them look, makes them look terrible. And we're like, why? We want to use, you know, some sweet, uh, you know, Garamond. Right. We want to make, she's like, everything looks good in that font. She said, if you can make your story, uh, remotely interesting in Courier, then you're on to something. And yeah. um, I didn't do it, but I thought she made an interesting point that I could use to make other points. But yeah. that, I would never put a story in Courier, but this was like watching this movie in Courier, and it still was good. It still was yeah. good. Can't wait to get it yeah. home and put some some Times New Roman on it or whatever. Because um, it's this is some yeah, good no, there's a th There is a problem, though. I think like we can, we can get into the problems with it. It really is, there are a few scenes that are just, and I, I watched it in a regular movie theater with really good, like, crisp kind of digital presentation. So I could see pretty much everything, I think. But I was actually lost in a few points just because, like, the lighting was so dim, you know? So, um, there's uh, a kind of so like, well, okay, I'll recap the movie real fast. Uh, uh, so there's a family who goes vacation to their uh, summer house, and uh, the the mom of the family kind of has like a, a secret from her past that like this she this really freaky uh, instance where she's at a she's at a boardwalk carnival with her dad and wanders away and enters into a very like culturally insensitive hall of mirrors uh, that and she ends up seeing like her reflection but like it's an actual person right mm -hmm. and so she's kind they kind of go to this beach house next to this board boardwalk that contains now the the slightly less offensive and appropriative hall of mirrors and she's freaked out because these coincidences start happening and she has this this feeling that whoever that that little girl was that she that she saw there that was like looked exactly like her is going to come back for her and sure enough in relatively fast fashion they got they kind of get right into it mm -hmm. the this this family shows up uh, that looks identical to our protagonists, and uh, and then there's this. It's kind of a home invasion type thing, and it goes from a home invasion. Spoiler alert! From here on out, there be spoilers, so everybody knows. And from there on out, it's kind of like these sort of people who live in the tunnels underneath uh, Santa Cruz are kind of like coming coming back to like take revenge on the people on the surface who look just like them. It gets a little bit twist, like hard to understand what exactly they are. They're sort of like, I think spiritual batteries or something for the people on the surface. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's this idea that people's souls get split in two and one half like the underworld well, and the other half gets to live like you and me. Yeah, there seems Go to ahead. be, uh, there's some confusion about, um, there, people are making the assumption that it's an American experiment gone wrong. And uh, I don't think he ever was that clear about it. It's, it feels to me like it's, it's a force is unknown. And it might be, I don't know if there's a supernatural force or an alien force, but whatever the force is that created doppelgangers of everyone in the country, it's, that's what fascinates mm -hmm. me because we don't know. We don't know what does that. And I mm -hmm. think um, that's gonna that has already frustrated a lot of people where they just write it off as, the government is doing it because I think there was a throwaway line in there. Like uh, they, tr they tried to do it to control us. Right. And, um, and of course you would immediately map that onto an attempt for, to enslave 
America enslaving itself is um, that's some juicy that's a juicy idea. Um, but like you said, there's right. Well, it's like good. Oh, I was gonna say Peel does uh, what makes him such a fucking, in my opinion, like one of the most interesting filmmakers right now is like what he did with Get Out, which I also liked, but not nearly as much as this one. Um, what he's doing is, first of all, he's a very technically skilled filmmaker. He's very everything's very tight, well written, uh, clear. Um, mm-hmm. But he also in Get Out, he's he's operating on the same wavelength as us. I think people were just. I think a little bit more willing to go with Get Out because the sort of the metaphor was a little bit more clear. But he's in, very much like in the tradition of like a David Lynch or something like that, where a lot of his films are operating on a metaphorical level and they're right. going to drive you crazy if you try to make like actual sense about what's happening. Right. You know it, what I mean? so, like, yeah, it's for like, sure. So basically, like you have this underworld where these people are kind of mimicking the movements in a sort of creepy way of what people are doing up there on the surface. And, but like they're down there and they have to eat like raw rabbit meat. And and it's this kind of like, they live in this, like it goes from like a Freddy Krueger kind of uh, uh, steam engine room to this kind of like weird abandoned mall looking hallway. It very much Um, reminded it it it, totally reminded me of abandoned malls and that's a thing right now. Right. So I loved that idea. Yeah. 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 But like, so basically, so basically, I think the way that I would put this whole thing to bed is that it operates on the same level as a fairy tale. Like when you watch Get Out, the the fact that you know white people are kind of old white people are putting their consciousness into young black people is it? I mean, the science of it, of course, like doesn't make any fucking sense, right? But you kind of go with it. It's kind of like a kooky mad scientist invasion of the body snatchers type thing. And here you have to make a similar leap and just kind of. In this universe, there are people, like people's souls split off. One half gets, because like the way, one reason why uh, the whole like uh, scientist experimenters thing wouldn't make any sense is that these people are having babies at the same time that people Mm. on the surface are having babies, right? Mm. And that's when you realize it's completely mystical because they're not, they're not being like impregnated by scientists to have a child that's also identical at the exact same time. You see what I'm saying? Like, right. that's yeah. how you know you're operating in, operating in a fantasy world at this point. Yeah, or in, like I was saying to you, it's kind of it feels more like a foreign movie where things are not going to be explained. It's It's got that fable quality you described. Um, I recently just watched mm-hmm. Border, and Border has a similar kind of retelling of an existing fable. And so it has touches of realism <laughs> when it's... Mm-hmm. When it wants to, you know, make that impact, but it also stays kind of intangible. And I think the less it explains, the better, oh, because yeah. because you could never explain what's going on underground. Um, there's an attempt at the beginning to say that you know there are twenty thousand miles of tunnels, abandoned tunnels in the United States, and that's I think that is the like an attempt. Uh, some committee said you got to throw them a bone here because nobody's going to buy your your allegory. And so they tried to make it a little more believable. And I like that, but I also was really stuck on, um, the hands across America, uh, stuff because, uh, uh, we actually, uh, participated that back in the eighties. Um, uh, I remember it went, it was less than like a block away from our house. It went down this main street and uh, we got, we, I still have pictures of it. You know, as far as the eye could see, people were holding hands down this road until it, they faded off in the distance. 
And the fact that he used that as in a creepy way is amazing. <coughs> As mm-hmm. soon as I realized it was going to be used in a creepy way, I was like, man, I wish I would have thought to use that because it's such a like there was a day when there was a human chain across the United States, even though in areas where people couldn't be, they threw I think they had ropes like you couldn't be in, you know, across deserts and Death Valley. And so there were some gaps that they tried to get through with other means. But the idea of that many people holding hands in a line, I think that I don't know if it's hinting that that's the reason but this is my theory that's never justified in the movie. My theory is that that's what caused it because it's ha- because it happens. The girl's wearing a hands across America t-shirt and she knows it happened. So uh, you forgot the big twist at the end. It turns out that the girl swapped places with her doppelganger when she yeah, was which young. Was, which you could see coming from a mile away, by yeah. the way. I think every, I, th- I don't think, I don't think I've met anybody yet who was like that. That threw me for a damn loop. Right. It's like no, of course you know that's what happened. Well, some some yeah, some of the cars that some of the cards at the drive-in took off when they when they explained that part. So I don't know if they were just leaving early. Really, but yeah, the, uh, the I just like the idea that maybe by us all, all holding hands across the country, I, I would love it if it hinted that that caused a duplication below. You know what I mean? In a way that we can't, uh, in a way uh, that you can't uh-huh. prove or that you can't ever explain. That that sort of contact, it was caused this like double. an occult ritual, basically, and then and then yeah. they're going to come out of the, they're going to come out, thirty two years later, and 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 kind of re, redo that ritual, but yeah, this, yeah, but I, with the people underneath, yeah, it's interesting, man. That's the that's the explanation that I, that I'm sticking to, even though it's not it's not in there, um, and plus I I like the idea that since I was in Hands Across America, that my grunting, animalistic doppelganger is down there below me right now or switched places with me when I was young. Yeah, 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 <laughs> That's exactly. Such a, it's such a great, uh, great idea because it, it lets the whole country participate in this movie, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and it's like, and it's not ever explained why, why they have to, to kill their doubles. Like that's never really made clear. It's kind of well, they just kind of do it. I feel uh, like they're. It does seem though, like it seems like it's like a ritual. It's like it's the hands across America thing was a ritual. Then this is like, this is like the chickens, I guess, coming home to roost right. in they a get, way. You know what I mean? They're taking their rightful spot. Um, I like the uh, right. uh, the way it escalates. And it's like, a, and it's also like, oh man, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to keep interrupting, man, but like, but then it makes me think that's so interesting because. The Hands Across America thing, it was about, what, homelessness, poverty, something like that? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I think that maybe this movie is making a statement about, like, people sending out thoughts and prayers. You know, maybe, like, the <laughs> Hands Across America movement is this gigantic thoughts and prayers uh, demonstration. And like it's such that. a powerful thought slash prayer that it, like, <laughs> what, the, what he's saying is that, like, when you do that, you're actually, you're not focusing on the, on actually fixing the problem. All you're doing is creating like a subsection of your own psyche that begins to fester, right? And that's eventually going to come back and bite you in the ass, right? I'm convinced. Can you hear me? I, I'm, no, I'm excited how quickly you're adapting my theory because I'm, now I'm totally agreeing with your theory. I think the Hands Across America caused it. I yeah. want to I yeah. stick, stick with that. But yeah, the, like uh, the, uh, when you say they come back and they kill, um, how great was that when, when it escalated? Because at first it's doing very well as a horror movie. Where here we have there's some doubles and they're fucking with the family, and then there's that line 
where the one kid says, so how many of everybody will there be? And it's such a perfect line because that's the moment when you realize it's worldwide. Mm-hmm. Up until that point, up until that point, you think it's just happening in their house. And as soon as he says that line, then you kind of on the radio, you hear like, uh, like they can't get through. They're, Why is 911 all backed up? And then they turn on the TV and they mm-hmm. see that it, that it is worldwide. And as soon as it's worldwide, um, that's that kind of move that makes it just an interesting horror movie takes a leap into into allegory and into art, you know, and into a kind of art house cinema right. that everybody wants to resist is when it comes to horror. <clears throat> Although I'll give yeah. you, did you see the Jordan Peele? Uh, um, they were clearly angling to give him another Oscar nomination by calling this a thriller. They're just like, uh, all the, all the language was saying that this was a thriller. And uh, he tweeted, um, this is a horror movie, very simply on Twitter, which yeah. is amazing. Cause he's like saying, uh, no, I'm, I, I see what you're doing. But he is a horror guy, and he's not gonna. Yep. And that's and that's not that's impressive because it's, you know, he could easily just ride that train of, I'll pretend it's a thriller if it's gonna you know get me another Oscar nomination. But right, he's got more integrity, than right? That. But he has integrity, dude. He's got dude, integrity. Like how fucking how fucking re- how refreshing is this, right? To like see an actual talented filmmaker who has the integrity of his convictions you know what i mean yeah. to be like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna play this little game where i pretend it's something that it's not it's like no i grew up he, he says it over and over again. he's like I, I, he grew up loving horror movies right he's a horror nerd he knows everything there is to know about horror movies and that's what he wants to make now right. just because now he's making them and they're really fucking good doesn't mean you get to say that like oh well now that it's good it's not horror anymore how fucked up is that they're saying like this is too good to be horror and people try to do the same shit with hereditary dude they try yeah. to be like oh it's a it's actually a family drama you know what i mean and that director actually had a little bit of a hand in that where i would see him doing well stuff. i can't, it's, a, yeah. it's a family drama with horror elements uh <laughs> but no it's a fucking horror and, it, and that's because and he good. knew in his he knew it's, in his heart that that was the best movie last year or the best performance was in hereditary and people ignored it because it was a horror movie so i'm you know i'm talking out of both sides of my mouth i wish that th- these kinds of movies got that that the thriller respectability but it's really impressive that he said that and I recently was I recently learned this thing about um, in ethnic studies. There's a thing called uh, respectability politics, which is essentially when mm-hmm. black people are black people are critiqued for aligning with the status quo rather than critiquing it. You know, it's sure. like also related is that move of you know you're helping yourself get a leg up in the system rather than dismantling it to help others is very frowned on, right? Okay, sure. Yeah. So what we have here is Jordan Peele, who is What's fascinating is he's dismantling the system, you know, to help the horror genre. Mm-hmm. He's dismantling the system and um, not taking that that leg up that he could easily mm-hmm. he could he could easily accept that uh, sort of um, that shortcut of with uh, of respectability. Um, yeah. With, with his movie, he's not because he knows a horror movie is kind of the you know, the it's the dirty secret of, of, of films. And I think yeah. it all, all around impressive, you know, and he's kind of saying, fuck you. He's like, you'll, you'll respect it because it's really good. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you're not going to respect we, it because it fits into the boxes that you want it to fit into. Yeah. And we, we need more of that. And I think, you know, over, if, if, if woke nation overestimates this movie, I think that's going to be good for it because I think middle America is going to resist this movie's lack of answers. I think that this might not be the hit that get out was because 
mm-hmm. middle America will be like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I think that maybe. Oh, no, they're not going to get it at all. Yeah. They're not going to get it at all. Yeah. So that, yeah. that, so so that actually over- that leads into something. Go ahead, though. No, I was just going to say, so that overestimation that annoys me so much in other aspects, this is that hypocrisy again. I like that it might be applied here because it's going to give this movie a little a little kick where uh, where a lot of people would might dismiss it and say, wait, this doesn't make any sense because it's it's a, it's more of an art house movie. It's more of a it's got a more of a foreign vibe. It's not going to give you an answer for it's going to give you allegory instead of answers. But yeah, yeah, no. And it's and that that brings me to something else I was talking to. Uh, to Jordan Harper about this last night on the phone. And it's this idea that people will critique uh, a movie, a book, music, a work of art, whatever. Uh, they'll, if they don't understand it, their critique of it will be, that was stupid, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. This movie was dumb. This didn't make any sense. Cause we were talking about it in terms of like, also like what people think good actors are. So um, that brings me to Lupita Nyong'o. I hope I'm pronouncing that right because that, that is my new, like, this is one of my favorite new performances. And it's so, because it's so weird, right? When it first starts off, you know, I, I think she's, I think she has a British accent in real life. So she's kind of doing an American thing and she sounds stilted and, and weird. And it's a, it's I'm a, watching the movie, I'm kind of like, I don't, I'm kind of like, I don't get what she's doing exactly. <laughs> but then when you kind of like get to the end of it, right? You find out that she started off as one of like the grunting maniacs in the tunnel. Uh, it kind of like, it makes you realize like retroactively, like, oh, she was doing something really cool there, actually. Right. Yeah, it could yeah. have just been that it was kind of a wonky performance, you know? Uh, but but yeah, I she, like to think she's all in. She she's was got... actually like, she was actually like five levels deep, dude. Like she, she was. was like, she, she was, was like, that... I, yeah. And that voice is tough. It's, it's always tough to hear a funny voice. <laughs> but yeah. when she starts doing yeah. the, yeah, it is. We, we were the shadow of, yeah. the, of your, and we were the untethered. And that's a little tough. Yeah. So, but once. But she, but God but damn it, if she doesn't commit to that she, shit, man, she, she, she just, she's all in. Yeah, she commits. I like, I like <laughs> uh, And also, also she's, she's really good. She's really good looking. And I liked watching her in the movie. She's got great, and, uh, great. Great horror movie eyes. She's got those fucking eyeballs. Oh, that's right. That's true. It's like it's born to be in a horror movie. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of speaking of voices. Yeah, for sure. Uh, re- real quick, speaking of funny voices, have you seen this? Uh, uh, the inventor, uh, the story about the woman inventing that way to draw blood. Uh, it's called Out for Blood and Silicon. Oh. Event. And she has a. I fun- haven't seen it. It's so funny. Though. She's got I was funny talking voice. To, uh, She's got a funny about that one yesterday too. <laughs> Yeah, she talks like this. She's like, <laughs> like, and like, and like, we we basically, dude, we were laughing about that so hard because it's one of those things, dude. You can apply this to like, you know how we see some people online who have just like really committed to their like dopey, goofy image, like bullshit. Like that woman really fucking just she, committed, she committed and she she committed so hard. She committed so hard that nobody wanted to be like. People are like, this seems very fake, but there's no way a sane person would be doing something this completely outrageous. So, like, kudos to her, man. Hats off for 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 conning these fucking jackasses. Do you remember the cell? uh, (laughs) My turtleneck sweaters. (laughs) I'm Steve Jobs. (laughs) <laughs> it like, reminds me of the voice like goofy dude it reminds goofy? me of the cell do you remember the the movie the cell with uh, jennifer lopez and uh mm-hmm. 
fucking the dude from in black. When, if, when she first, yeah. Nafrio, she first goes down there and he's like, "What are you doing here?" Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what she fucking sounds like. Every time we, I get, every time I get, in, I have a new, I have a new baby here. She's like five months old. So every time I get down to talk to her, and I think I'm going, "Oh, what are you doing today?" My, I imagine that her perception is like this: "What are you doing today? <laughs> Why are you crying?" <laughs> Wait, no, wait, don't, don't be upset. <laughs> like, that's the, the slow motion <laughs> fucking Godzilla version of what she's saying. But yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, oh, God. I don't normally police women's voice, uh, women's voices, okay? But I, I think that, like, because she's rich, I think she's fair game. I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. Of course to she's fair game. Voice. Yeah. Police the oh, voice yeah. of people till the cows come home, dude. And do you see the, the how she wears the same clothes every day? That she, uh, yeah, she's trying to be Steve Jobs, right? Like she was trying to. She was basically. She is what happens. No, she's what she's what happens, dude. With like this Silicon Valley culture of optimization of like your own life. Like she's taken every dumb bullshit lesson from these fucking well, here's, this sexless what, geeks in Silicon Valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, eaten the same thing. Go ahead, sorry. Well, what, no, drives me nuts is like she's not even doing what she's supposed to be doing it. I was trying to articulate this, but like she, the wearing the cl- same clothes every day. Like you've seen that in the movie, The Fly. Jeff Goldblum does it, where he's like, uh, I, "I bought uh, ten versions of the same clothes, so I don't have to expend any thought about what I wear every day." But what's ironic is that she's uh-huh. very much, ex- she's very much using a lot of thought about her her routine of wearing the same clothes every day. You know what I mean? It's just the opposite. Right. Like since it's a big game, and because she is just all the, she's emulating all the garbage. <clears throat> All the garbage of Steve Jobs, which is he's a he's a kind of a monster or was a monstrous manager, and he would fire people, and he would be very cold and alien like, and he would wear wear these same clothes. She's like, I want to do all that, but she doesn't have the the aptitude to make anything. She doesn't right. have the invention doesn't exist. The, the one thing that you would excuse all the garbage of Steve Jobs. Instead, she's like, I want all that other stuff, and that just reminds me of these on brand yeah. psychos on the internet where they just. They don't, they're not really creators. They're not really writers or publishers. They're like, I want all that shit that comes with it. I want yes. all that, I want all that image that comes with it. And that's what she is. Yes. She's just this fucking monster who's, who's like, she's using the, every bit of her brain to be everything but the thing that yeah. makes that shit okay to, to, to be. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. No, and it's one of those things too where, uh, the art itself becomes a part of like co opting this sort of image that people look for. So, so, you know, I'll see these people online, dude. Like, the, I'll use this very specific writer who I'm thinking of right now. But he'll, he'll – he's everything that you could think of. It's like, God damn, I love coffee. And then, like, oh, bed, bedtime, time for my night nightcap of whiskey. And then it's, like, everything about, like, word counts and signing contracts and doing X, Y, Z. And then he comes out and he's like, I'm working on my, my new work in progress. He's like, it's about a bank heist gone wrong. Oh, and I'm like, oh, so oh. – this is all, but you see what I mean? Like, it's all part of this kind of like make your own personality, paint by numbers, assembly of like what a writer should be, right? Like writers should be kind of quirky and do that weird baby talk and love coffee. And also like basically talk like they're like the the comic, the oatmeal became sentient and began right. like moving around. Then, and then, just to say the word then, like the actual books themselves. The books themselves, the books themselves also have to fit into mm-hmm. this same kind of paint by numbers thing because they're not interested in doing anything interesting with their art. 
they want to be a thing. And well, that's, that's the cruel, what that's, drives me crazy. Yeah, well, that's the, I solved it. That's the cruel joke, right? Is that the you don't even have to fake it till you make it, essentially, which was the the mantra of this this uh, Silicon Valley woman. Um, with these writers, you faking it is making it because you right. are you are creating that innocuous middle of the road shit with your innocuous middle of the road um, persona. It's all part of the same. It's like you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. So you're re you're rewarded for that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's um it's, it's fucking horrifying, dude. Did yeah. you see? Uh, speaking of voices, real quick. Did you see SLC Punk? I remember? did a long time ago with Mr. Matthew Lillard. Yeah, with Lillard. One. I start. I finally watched that whole thing for the first time the other day, and it reminded me of these of voices that uh, you. He's one of those guys. You notice that he his career totally bombed, right? He had three or four roles, and then. Nobody wanted Matthew Lillard anymore, and uh, he had that. And he had that thing. He had that voice. He was like, "It's a scream, baby!" Oh, you know, he had yeah. that thing. That thing. But usually, what I was thinking about the the tragedy of Lillard there, um, watching SLC Punk is he that razor thin range usually means mm -hmm. you have a huge career, just yeah. like you're talking about. Just like you're talking about with these writers with the, making this middle of the road here's a heist bullshit that razor thin range usually means a great career it's just that nobody wanted to hear his razor thin range like jack nicholson razor thin jack nicholson is jack nicholson and everything but we kind of love it right we love yeah. the we love the uh who else has the um some of the people that are celebrated for having a huge range really don't when you look at them they're giving yeah. you like tom cruise except maybe in magnolia and he's done a couple you know like his less grossman thing but mm -hmm. other than that, we get what we want, and it's a right. razor-thin range that we've decided that we liked. Now, Lillard swung for the fences with that one. He's like, you know, it's the no, screen. He, yeah, he said no. They gave him about yeah. three or four movies, and he never did anything else, and he never could do anything else. But well, sadly, he, sadly, he was doing what— He was in Twin Peaks. He was in he, Twin Peaks. He was, and they did, they did dial him down for that, and then they blew his head off, like in episode two, right? <laughs> Yeah, so that, yeah. So there's a scene where he's in the he's he's in the confession room. He's in that like the two way mirror room or whatever, and he, he's doing it again. He's like, I didn't kill my wife, man. <laughs> there and he is. Like, oh yeah, he's gotta go. He's <laughs> gotta go. Like there <laughs> he is. We are we are done here. We are fucking finished. Um, yeah. But yeah, what? no, like the whole. I remember actually being a kid and watching Scream and. Uh, who is it? Is it Skeet Ulrich, who's the yes. other killer, right? Whenever or they're like stabbing each other and like he's he gets stabbed, he's like, oh, it hurts so bad, man. <laughs> and I think I was maybe like seven or eight, and I was still like, this is really bad acting. This is just a little over the top. This is a bit I, much. And I was like, and my favorite movies at the time was like Ace Ventura. So <laughs> take from that what you will. <laughs> oh, fucking poor Lillard. I th I thought he did pretty sweet in, in Scream. I think as as that character, that high school guy, and when he's sticking yeah. his tongue out in the back, like <laughs> like that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I really enjoyed right. it at the time. Um, but yeah, it, you just reminded me of all that. We went down the down the rabbit hole of the uh, the voices there. But yeah, back to the back to the we were in the shadows. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> eating rabbit meat into the juicy rabbit. I, I'm tethered. It made me want to clear my throat a lot. Why did yeah. they all have? Did they yeah. all get yeah, yeah, assigned? Yeah, yeah. That's the way the shit falls apart. Is they kind of have that Heaven's Gate cult where they're all assigned red jumpsuits and very nice scissors. Like where did they, where did that shit come from? That's when it has to be supernatural. It has to be beyond right. us. 
Oh yeah, no, it does. It's not supposed. I don't think it's supposed to make logical sense. It's supposed to make like subjective, symbolic sense. You're supposed to be like, oh, okay, right. And there's something you... also with like V. It's like the scissors make a V, and the song is I got five on it. And apparently there's fives <laughs> all over this movie if you, oh, if you look boy. closely. Oh, I did not notice that. That was from my internet sleuthing pre pod. They sure made that. Um, they made that song creepy. But yeah, apparently there's something with five. That, they made it. I loved it. I loved it. Creepy little so theme. much, man. I turned it on. I was beasting for like two hours at the gym today and i think i listened to the us tethered remix which is only <laughs> about a minute long i just set it to repeat in the gym and i was just like <laughs> blasting my triceps and it was like Dun, well that's a big uh, those weird workouts are the best i used to uh i used to listen to asia <laughs> when i would exercise <laughs> and uh, i remember some dude at the dorms uh, was complaining to somebody else about me, and it got back to me. He's like, "Yeah, some asshole was down there working out to Asia," and I was thinking, <laughs> "Fuck yeah, I was." <laughs> Never meant to be so mad to you. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so that, no, that that's song, great. That song's that's about great. Weed. that song's about weed, right? So, uh, no, I think it's about somebody's going out to buy weed, and you're saying like, "I got five bucks on it. I'll give you five uh, bucks." So when you come back. We'll we'll all smoke it together. I think th I think that's what it's about. It's uh, it's funny because it's a much. Because uh, this is Dave and this is Dave and Dave's white corner uh, where we discuss the <laughs> meanings behind popular rap songs. Yes, yes. Now, what exactly is having five on it? <laughs> is it drug related? <laughs> Should well, we be worried about it? My, my point my point was that it, it's it was such a happy song, but he just kind of Cypress Hilled it because if you look yeah. at. Every Cypress Hill is scary like that. You know, it's they're right. such a strange band. They're singing about weed, which should be a, should be happy songs, but they have all these haunted house noises, and then they have these sort of death metal album covers. They're the strangest yeah. band. I love Cypress Hill. They're so bizarre. I used to love Cypress Hill so much, dude. I think Cypress Hill is well. I mean, I actually think that I guess you could go back and like say something like House of Pain, but House of Pain was basically just like the white guy which isn't yeah. the same thing. I think Cypress Hill was like the was like the first real new metal band. That that's my contention. Well, that's the claim. They are they kind of they proto they proto ICP, they're proto corn. They're cuz they were doing shit what in like the late 80s is when Cypress Hill started. Well, right? I, I, don't know. Think the, um, I think Ground Zero would be the Judgment Night soundtrack where Cypress Hill had a very new metal song on there or the uh, the they did that double album where one disc was all new metal and one disc was rap. You want to be a rock superstar? You want to be a rap superstar? You oh, that? I loved that song so much, dude. So they did. That was like one of the, that song, like Corn, and then uh, I think System of a Down's Chop Suey. Remember that song where they had that yeah, yeah. weird music video where they're all kind of like, like moving through each other and shit and being all weird. Those are, I think, the three that I would rec I recorded off of uh, MTV onto a VHS, <laughs> nice. and I would watch those over and over again. Yeah, it's those songs are so fucking dope, dude. New metal was so. Good. I think it would be so. That would be right around Training Day. So Judgment Night was way before that, but that's where Nin people. Yeah, people. Ninety four. That's where people point to. Although, what is it? Technically, it would be. I mean, it's sad to say, but the Aerosmith uh, Run DMC was. You know, that's kind of no. No, that's kind of no, the, see, and this the is why, but it's the DNA for it, right? It's not quite new metal, but it's the that's the fusion that kind of kicks it into gear. I just um, don't, I don't think, and this this might sound completely counterintuitive, and uh, like I'm doing that thing where people who hate new metal just say that like stuff like the Deftones isn't new metal because they they just don't want to admit it. So I might be doing a little something like that here, but 
push back against the idea that just like white dudes in a rock band collaborating with like <laughs> black dudes in a rap group equals new metal there's something else going on there there's there's there's, there's there something there's yeah there's something the, there's the on, there's think. there's the arrogance that the white guys say we don't need them to rap we're gonna do it ourselves that's the thing that's missing right from, to make it new metal you need that arrogance to say we're gonna go it alone we're gonna do this all by ourselves yep. yeah <laughs> speaking of yeah, white and dudes, it also it has dude. to be like it has to be a lot grosser too like new metal's dna is just of like filthy, gross, out-of-shape white people uh, doing drugs and drinking PBRs and just, like, and, like, really, and, like, saying the N-word again, you know, like, just without the ER on the end. It's, like, a it's like a poor, poor white person co-opting black culture, but, like, not wanting to go so far as to actually listen to rap. That's more new metal, I think. And you have to... Does that sound you, fair? I don't know. It, probably. And then you have to, like detune the guitar you have to make the strings hang really low so every every note sounds like <laughs> <laughs> but here's a i had a question Do your strings hang low <laughs> the, uh regarding the the white people in uh, in us so yes. the when they introduce the white family and then they massacre them that, <laughs> that fast um yeah i'm of two minds there is that like since they, they got killed way easier than the black family you know like Mm -hmm. Is that is that kind of a dig, mm -hmm. you know, or was it were the white doppelgangers just more efficient because they they went in and killed with they didn't have any speeches to give because obviously that's, they they weren't led by the leader of the entire movie. That's what I think. For I think, I think that's more of it. That I I've thought about this question and I think that because you'll notice like pretty much everybody just gets offed immediately by their doppelgangers except for this family and I think it's just because. Uh, the the leader there had a bone to pick and didn't want to like let them off the hook. They wanted to play with them a little bit. First, but since right? since it, yeah, well, since that I, I didn't know that it um it it was the, the the reversal where you know that she's she's got sort of an affection for her doppelgangers. You know, and like with the burning kid, like there's there's a weird crossover mm -hmm. of affection she has, uh, which is yeah. very very interesting. So for a while, I just thought I think it was, so too. Yeah, I thought they were just saying like. Uh, you know, it's kind of that that trope where, um, you know, if you're watching a, a horror movie and the uh, was that in scary movie where the, the black audience is like only white people would stick around and see what the sound was. Only white mm -hmm. people would, would would go into that dark corner and check it out. And yeah. I, I like that that yeah. massacre happened so officially. Plus, it had the probably the best use of fuck the police I've heard uh, yeah. maybe since. I mean, it's in uh, Jane Silent Bob, of course, and it's in oh, the, yeah. and it's in the uh, NWA movie. But but here it was fascinating because it's basically saying the police aren't coming. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like, because yep. the the the, yep. elect, the Alexa doppelganger misinterprets it and basically says to him, "The police aren't here to help you. They're not going to help you." And that was that was pretty good. Yeah. And, but it, did no, you notice that, that part the movie seemed kind of bloodless? Like it was, it felt like it was rated PG. Most of the, up until it played "Fuck the Police," and then there's so much swearing in that song that that's when right. it crosses over into R-rated territory. Is when that song plays, which yeah. is pretty, yeah, no, it's totally. pretty funny. That's pretty funny. It is. It is basically like it's. It's definitely not like a gore fest. Not even close to being a, a, a gory movie. There's like the, the the massacre of the white family is probably the only. That's the only real blood that we even see. You know what I mean? Like. Even when uh, the little girl beats that other doppelganger to death with the golf club, you just hear it. You don't really see it. 
Yeah, know? it feels it feels and, like uh, it was hedging. Maybe it was hedging its bets for the PG to get a bigger audience, but it, it finally it had to it had to relent if it was going to play "Fuck the Police." And, and also, I don't know if you noticed it, but the 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 dad, the white dad, was uh, from Tim and Eric. He's Tim from Tim and Eric. Oh, that was that, that, that weirdo fucking adult 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 Swim show. Yeah, that's that funny. was him. That's hilarious. But uh, but yeah, man, we should we should talk a little bit. You want to wrap it yeah. up? wrap it up. I want to talk a little bit about some criticisms because so it can't be a total love fest. There we I go. Think, let's let's that, wrap it wrap it up on a sour note. Ladies. Let's wrap it up on a little this bit. This is how of, we do it here. Here's this is going to be very unpopular, but uh, I think I don't know if he's the best at, at the titles of his movies. Okay. I think that the title "Us," although later I realized it meant the U.S. <coughs> right. Mm-hmm. That, took, that took me way too long to get to, you know. The idea that okay. it's, you know, it's uh, to search for this movie is very difficult. It's kind of like searching for the movie It on Google. Uh, so, uh-huh, so uh-huh. instead, you just get a bunch of articles about the U.S. So that was right. the first first time it clicked with me that this t- movie was actually called U.S. Maybe instead of us. Mm-hmm. So that holy shit moment aside, um, right? Us and Get Out. Those those are kind of wacky titles. I don't know. Unless they're going yeah. for the he's going for the tradition of. Do you remember the fake trailer in Grindhouse for Don't Don't? Where it kept saying Don't over oh, and over. Oh yeah. So Get yeah, Out yeah, feels yeah, yeah. a little bit like that fake uh, trailer Don't, which is which is cool. There's a tradition of those those kind of mysterious British movies being masqueraded as American movie titles. Um, so I don't know. You know, he's like I said, he's probably playing you know three dimensional chess with all of these titles, and I don't get all the references. But um, Us and Get Out, I feel like these movies. There's a lot. It's a lot more meat on the bone than those titles, and that's a very minor complaint. But um, what sure, about yeah, no, some criticism. No, for and you? I also think I also tend to think I also tend to think that uh, I, I thought about this a lot in terms of how to title my own books. Because you know I'm a big fan of like my first book is called By the Time We Leave Here We'll Be Friends and then my second book is called Low Down Death Right Easy right which are cool titles by the way but <laughs> the problem is is that like I think a lot of people read those titles and they're like what the fuck does that mean right uh, and I the think us might be I do too yeah but like but I think Get Out I think Get Out's a perfectly fine title and I think I think us is a little bit of like a but yeah i mean it's a super minor criticism but i also wouldn't say like no dave you're wrong that's a fantastic title well it's just kind of there it's sort of functional right it's a functional title if if i'm right about the if it does have those layers to it i mean it is kind of fascinating if it's a if it's a big immigration allegory with a who has the right to be here kind of thing you know because they Uh, uh if uh that's what's going on if it's the if it is a u.s immigration uh, kind of allegory. I like the idea that she she proves by swapping places that how easily they can adapt. Like they are not subhuman. So it, you know, they the fact that she was able to have a very believable life as a human being when she's supposed to be soulless or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's kind of interesting because it go, if that's what he's talking about, it's like that perception of slaves as violent and irredeemable you know is there that racial allegory going on that mm-hmm. that they're so mm-hmm. which makes you know that falls into the realm of every good villain is sympathetic and which is similar to our our whole our conversation about the hulk and that uh hulk ragnarok is like who has the right to the normal life the hulk or the banner character 
Oh, so, yeah. So that kind of, I think that that stuff all kind of justifies the title anyway. But without Ooh. knowing anything about it, um, I don't know, just uh, something about it. I don't know. I like it. I, I've, talked yeah. my, I've talked myself out of it a little bit. I have one major criticism for the movie. And depending on your... Here we go. You being tired of this or as much as I am or not, I don't know. We need we need to talk about head tilts, dude. We need to talk about people in masks, <laughs> people in masks tilting their head. It's right up there with I hate that thing where where a character goes, they put their finger up to their lips and go, shh. I hate that. Because they're not really telling you to be quiet. They're just trying to pretend like they're scary. The same reason the head tilt doesn't fucking work, dude. Like Think about think about where the head tilt started. The head tilt started with Michael Myers stabs a dude into the door or whatever, and he, the guy stays there and he doesn't fall. So the Michael Myers character in the mask is confused, right? So he tilts mm-hmm. his head left and right, like what's happening? So it's that that's why, it, and it's and made for a very creepy moment where the guy was confused. Every time people use the masked head tilt now, they're using it to scare someone, and it's. That's terrible uh, use. That's a terrible use of it. So somebody will pop up in a <clears throat> pop up in a window in a mask, and the head will go left, right, and do the tilt, and then off they go. That's so fucking lame. It's so lame. Like that means you're not scary. You're. Why would you have to do the go the extra mile of trying to be scary when you're already the murderous mm-hmm. entity with the mask? You know what I mean? Does that make any sense to you? Sure. It does, and it's. I think the head tilt is in the same vein as you know, like the ring girl uh, kind of. Yeah. Falling all fucked up and weird. Yeah. There's this idea that people doing like unnatural things it's are a short kind cut. of like creepy and tilting your head, tilting your head from side to side is like unnatural. Like you don't really do, even when you're confused, you don't really like, like tilt your head like that. So uh, dumb, dude. And plus, the, it is, it is, a, it is. A I short think what I got has got to be put to bed, but I don't know what they would replace it with. What would well, they replace? I, dude, it with? I, the, the movie did replace it. It replaced it with the creepy cartwheels that I have never oh, seen yeah. before. Having a masked wearing weirdo do well, they were he was she wasn't wearing masks, but the twins that get murdered, like the doppelganger twins, start doing Ooh. creepy cartwheels in the background. That's right. a perfectly, perfectly legitimate alternative. Let's do every time somebody wants to do a little head tilt, have them do a cartwheel instead. I would much rather mm-hmm. see that. I think it's the purge. The yeah. purge, the purge had so many head tilts in it, it should have been called the head tilt. That was the worst fucking movie as far as head tilt <laughs> oversaturation, but. I think that just what I'm saying is Jordan Peele has so many new instances of making something innocuous, creepy, like yeah. he has the like the one, one, one or one, 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 one on the clock and they make a wish that makes it kind of creepy. He makes the hands across America are creepy mm-hmm. in this movie. So he doesn't need the old ones. And by old ones, I mean the tropes that are de- have de- developed like a decade ago and we're somehow we're just stuck with them in every movie. He doesn't mm-hmm. he, he doesn't need those things. He's he's got the creepy cartwheels at the very least. That's my that's my last criticism. So you can put that to bed. Fair enough. Oh, man, I think that's fair. All right. Well, hey, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Almost Good podcast with David James Keaton and Jay David Osborne. We don't do this normally, but uh, hey, hey. Go, why don't you go buy our books? Go buy The yeah. Last Projector or our pool party bus forever day. I think I got that right, right? Yes, that is it. Uh, and we'll and say, then, or, or we'll go say buy thank the, you in a funny voice. Thank you. Thank you. Or go buy my books. They're called Black Gum, Minor Storm. I wrote one with Cody Goodfellow called The Snake Handler. So, yeah, if you like this podcast, go check it out. So buy our you can shit. see that, uh, that we that, – 
that we too have no idea what we're doing. Uh, cool. All right. So you want to be a rock superstar and live large.